Johnson. Welcome back to the show. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Yeah, we'll continue to keep you updated about the weather. Um, It's one of those just sort of iffy things where lots of precipitation going around, but it's the temperature's right at that level of, you know, where there's a potential for, you know, the precipitation to to freeze. And freezing rain is always bad. Of, Of the different things, uh, I mean, bitter cold, nobody likes. And, of course, lots and lots of snow most people don't like. But the freezing rain can be really difficult, makes it treacherous to drive and things like that. So we will continue to keep you posted on weather developments. Uh, again, we're right at kind of that, that level right now where, you know, ice can still build up. And um, we'll also keep you advised as to traffic. So keep it tuned to News Radio 620 WTMJ. This segment of the program, we do this every day. I call it Dealer's Choice. It's one of the, at least it's a topic that I find to be incredibly interesting, and I hope that you will as well to, to discuss. Today's is a very, very significant issue, and it has to do with the Affordable Care Act. There are many, many politicians, including our very own Senator Ron Johnson, who, when he was elected six years ago, when he ran the first time, ran on a platform of doing away with the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as as Obamacare. Uh, Lots and lots of concerns about it. A lot of people who have been elected over the course of the last well, six years, have again run on those platforms. We've got to get rid of Obamacare. The problem The problem, though, is that under the Affordable Care Act, you have millions of people who were not, for whatever reasons, were not insured before, who now have received insurance. Now, in many cases, it's insurance that's being provided by the taxpayers through the subsidies or things like that, but they have they have received insurance. So the argument goes, well, okay, if you repeal Obamacare, but you don't replace it with something else, that means that you have all these millions of people who have been brought into the system who now have insurance and who've been taking advantage of that, that system using the insurance. They're suddenly going to be you know, thrown out. They're going to be uninsured again, and you can't have that happen. And if you, like I do, if you follow a lot of the stories in the mainstream media, the, the daily drumbeat is – well, here's this particular person, and they got insurance under Obamacare, and now if you take it away, it's going to be har- horrible. They're not going to have this. They're not going to have that. They're not going to have the other thing. So now there is this vested interest in saying, all right, if you repeal Obamacare, if you do something like this, well, all right, it's you know it's going to be devastating. Now, one of the things that they're looking at doing is trying to do this piecemeal, trying to say, okay, let's look at some of the more unpopular aspects of it. For example, there's a provision, the idea that people have to, it is mandatory that people have insurance. That's an extremely unpopular provision. But the problem, of course, is if you repeal that and healthy people don't sign up and don't pay premiums, and the only people that are taking insurance through the Affordable Care Act are people who are sick who are draining out of the system, well, okay, the system quickly goes broke. So you've got that issue. So how do you do that? How do you get rid of that mandate? One of the other things that people talk about is the employer mandate, the idea that employers, it's very unpopular, employers have to offer health insurance or else you know they have to pay different penalties. But again, the argument is the same. If you do away with that, then, again, there's no requirement that the employers offer the health insurance. They don't have to pay a penalty, so you're dumping people onto the Affordable Care Act. They're in these insurance markets. The people who do that tend to be more ill, and they're going to drive up costs. 
And the issue is, because Obamacare has been in existence, there is a problem with unraveling this. And so there's some people that are out there coming up with their solutions. One of the things that is emerging on the left, and this is something that I think Obamacare was originally designed to lead to, but the argument that's being made now is, all right, if you say the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare isn't working, Here's what we really need to do. The only practical way to deal with things now, now that we have everybody in the system, and now that you can't toss people out of the system, the only thing to do is to expand the system, kind of like Tom Barrett's trolley. You know, Tom Barrett, we've got this couple-mile streetcar line that nobody's going to ride. And the argument's going to be, well, nobody's riding it because it only goes on a two-mile loop, so we've already got this money in. What we need to do is we need to expand it, thinking you're going to get more riders. You're going to get that trolley argument when it comes to Obamacare, the idea that people are in now. We can't throw them out, so our only realistic choice is to expand it. And the drumbeat that you are getting, and you're hearing more and more, is rather than doing away with Obamacare, we need to transition over to, wait for it, Medicare for everyone. You know, the way the Medicare system works is, you know, everybody, once you hit, you know, 65, you end up getting your Medicare card. Medicare is essentially a single-payer system for everybody over the age of 65. People pay their Medicare premiums, or you know, a lot of times they're deducted out of Social Security, and what happens is um, Medicare is government-financed, but the services are privately delivered. So you pay, you get your Medicare card, you pay your Medicare um, premium, and then what ends up happening is then you get to choose your doctor to the extent your doctor accepts Medicare, and the government reimburses the, the doctor. So people are saying, all right, if you want to dis- if you want to get rid of Obamacare, what we need to do, the only practical thing, given that you've got all these people that are in the system, is essentially Medicare for everybody. And the argument is, if it works for people over 65, why shouldn't it work for people who are 25 or 35 or 45? Essentially, everybody pays some fee into the government. You pay into the government, and then you get your Medicare card, you get your insurance card, you get to go to private operators, but the government pays them. Is this a solution? 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. This is where some people, some people in the health industry, and this is where a lot of people on the left have always wanted to move us, And now they're saying this is the time you want to scrap Obamacare, go to single payer. If Medicare works for people who are 65, it should work for people who are 35. What do you think? 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. And would this just be, would this just be simpler would you like to see this your insurance handled in this fashion? You don't have to worry about anything. You just pay your premium to the government, and the government takes care of paying your provider. We discuss in two minutes. Is this the way we should be going? Think about it. It's 1017, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on.
It's 1019, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. You're going to hear a lot of conversation and a lot of rhetoric about right, repealing Obamacare, but what do you replace it with? And a number of people on the left in particular are saying, all right, now's the time to bite the bullet. Republicans and conservatives don't really have an alternative to this. What we need to do is essentially go to a Medicare for all system where every individual would pay the government a certain set rate, and then the government would take care of then paying the health providers. The argument is, hey, this works for people who are 65 and older. Why wouldn't this work for somebody who's 30 years um, of age or older? 414-799-1620, is this the way to go, and would you like to see us do it? Let's start with uh, Mike in Montello. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. My comment is uh, I'm elderly. I'm on Medicare and the contractual allowance for medical for the medical facilities knocks it down so much i don't think it's feasible the medical facilities and uh, doctors couldn't survive on the little bit they get right so what you're saying is that you if you were going to try to make something like this work the cost you would have to dramatically increase the amount of money that the the providers are getting so you're talking about much larger taxes because otherwise they just right now some people just take medic some doctors take medicare kind of as a loss leader because they're making it up on some of their other clients that's what i i think is going on it Mm -hmm. would be like say you get a pension from your company when you're 65 but if you gave it to people when they're 35 it wouldn't work um thanks to call that is i think even the people that push for this Mike, understand that it would not work unless you essentially, at the phrase, I'm going to say nationalize the healthcare industry. Um, and that might not be quite the right term, but you would certainly have to convert the healthcare industry, hospitals, Medicare providers. Pretty much everybody would have to be not for profit as opposed to profit based, which would be controversial. 414 799 All right, but this is the idea, the simple thing, and this is the argument. Hey, you know, we, we want to get everybody covered by insurance. If it's good enough for people who are 65 or older, why isn't it good enough for people who are 35 or older? Sam and McHenry. Sam, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. What do you think? Well, a couple of points. You know, again, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, Medicare is 80-20, right? Right. Okay. So, so the you have to have a supplement, there. right? You have to have a Medicare sup, and it doesn't cover everything. Yeah, and your first caller really hit it on the head one because, you know, if you're making $100,000 a year, the Medicare tax is only 1.5%, so you're paying a whole 1500 bucks toward insurance every year. That That's going to be a, a repeat of Obamacare. If this is what the Democrats wanted, they should have pushed for it before they shove Obamacare down our throats, I say you open up the market, Republicans, stick your guns, get rid of the state lines, do everything they've been talking about. And, and that, you know, the free market works for everything else. It'll work for health care, too. They can't, you know, buckle under this pressure. And most of it's coming from, you know, again, these people that are saying, well, I have insurance. You're going to throw me out. They never had insurance before because they didn't want to pay for it. All the people who had insurance, you're talking to a guy, lost good insurance, lost a doctor that uh, someone in our family was seeing. I mean, I could just go right down the line. So why should, you know, I feel sorry for that guy when we've been paying and, and you know, right. we've, we've had the, the hatchet taken to our plan just as predicted by the Republicans. So Republicans need to stick to their plan that they've had all along. Don't buckle. 
Right. Tell the Democrats, you could have done this years ago. You didn't do it. This is our baby now, and do it. Right. I think, think we'll see, and, you know, you, you raise a number of really interesting points about, right, if, if you were to go to this, you know, right, th- there are ways, for example, that you could make sure that people who have coverage now continue to get coverage. And you're talking about exactly that. I mean, allow more competition, allow people to sell insurance plans across state lines, continue to give certain subsidies to individuals, you know, if low-income individuals, you know, subsidize some of this and continue to do that, but allow people to select between the different plans and get more of a free market thing. There's no question. This is going in exactly the opposite direction of the whole idea of the free market. 4147 Nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. Dennis and Summers. Dennis, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. What do you think? Um, the last time I checked, Medicare was going broke. Right. Um, you, you know, so I don't know how this would work. The other thing, and I think this is where we're headed, and I'm not happy about it. I think it's going to go to means testing. And Paul Ryan's even brought up means testing. Mm-hmm. So means then, testing being people who have greater assets have to pay more than if people who don't have anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think Social Security and the other so-called entitlement programs are also going to be going that way. And what this does is increases the further divide between the has and the has not. Right. Well, and it also it punishes people depending on how you do the means testing. It punishes people for being responsible. It punishes people for, let's say, saving the cor- over the course of, of their lifetime. And I understand there's all sorts of people will come up with excuses as to why they couldn't save or whatever. But you have somebody who fully funds their 401k or whatever, and so by the time they, you know, they've, they've amassed a, a good sized nest egg, then you say to them, okay, well, you've got these assets, you don't need it. Well, okay, part of the reason you have the assets is maybe that you gave up stuff along the way to, you know, to save for retirement, to be responsible. Absolutely, Jeff. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Well, see, this is, I mean, th- this is one of these issues. When you hear the stuff about single payer or Medicare for all, there are all sorts of huge issues that are out there, including the fact that you would need massive, massive tax increases to pay for this. Now, some people would argue, well, all right, this um, employers, if you had Medicare for all, if you had this essentially version of nationalized insurance, a single payer thing, well, then employers wouldn't have to offer you health insurance, so they'd have money to pay you more. Yeah, good good luck for that. Let's talk to, um, let's see, um, Terry in Pewaukee. Terry, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Terry. I, I, I just wanted to mention when they say single payer, even Medicare today you have private insurance companies participating under the Advantage-type plan. Right. So about a third of the people that have Medicare actually have it through a private insurance company. Uh, so it's kind of a, a reach for, uh, you might say, the left implying that we have a single payer today. Right. And as one of the previous callers mentioned, if we went to uh, Medicare for all, how are we going to continue to afford, since Medicare is heavily subsidized by those of us that are not on Medicare right. with private insurance with the cost shifting that continues to occur. Right, right. You're, I mean, I'll give you the answer. Massive tax increases. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, th- thanks for it. Massive, massive, massive 
tax increases to help pay it. That that's that's the answer. So when everybody somebody comes out and says, "Okay, well, single payer, this is going to be great. Medicare works so great." And look, I'm I'm not criticizing Medicare. I mean, you've got cost issues, and you, you've got issues with people accepting Medicare patients, doctors, and things like that. But I mean, you you essentially turn this into one giant Medicare system. Uh, I think, you know, this whole idea of if you liked your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Good luck with that. And also be prepared to pay through the nose. 1028 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1034 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Today is the day Governor Walker gives the State of the State Address um, he, he's moved it up because President Obama is going to be speaking later on this evening. So it's going to be at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, it, it, I think people, I don't know that there's going to necessarily be any surprises in it. But what's interesting this year is more so than ever between the Republicans that control the Assembly and control the state Senate. And we're talking about working majorities as well as, you know, the governor. Uh, you're going to have, I think, a number of initiatives, especially some initiatives that are based on going to be based on premises of things that might happen in Wisconsin. So, what are what are some of the things you're going to hear? Well, obviously, the, the top issue I think right now is transportation, and there's no question that there's a huge debate going on and a split in the Republican Party right now as to what we do with the road needs around this state. Um, you've got a number of big projects, the you know the zoo interchange project probably being the most notable one around here, but you have projects that you know, need to be funded. And so the question is going to be, do we look at increasing taxes? Uh, do we look at toll roads? Do we look at increasing registration fees? Any combination of the above. The governor so far has sent signals that he is not, he does not believe that he was elected to increase taxes, and he's talking about increasing borrowing. That's going to be a dispute. I suspect that's going to be discussed in the state of the state address. And I mean, again, here, here's the reality. I appreciate that the devil is in all the details, but borrowing in and of itself isn't bad. Uh, the example I always give is if it weren't for borrowing, nobody would be able to buy houses or very few people would buy how, be able to buy houses. Chances are when you bought your house, you, you didn't go out and pay cash for it. What you did is you probably financed the, the house. So that's not – borrowing in and of itself isn't, isn't bad. It is true that if you buy a house that costs – you know, $150,000, and you finance it over 20 years at 3.5% interest or whatever the interest rate is right now that you can get from Brian, um, from our friends um, at, you know, at Acunet Mortgage, um, Brian Wickard, you, know, you are going to pay more over time than if you had $150,000 in cash to, to put up front. So, I mean, yes, it does cost you more to borrow, but again, people wouldn't be able to afford to own the house. So, that borrowing isn't bad. Now, borrowing can be bad if you borrow, 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 and end up owing so much that there's no chance that you're going to be able to pay the stuff back or the interest rate is ridiculous. So, I mean, borrowing in of itself isn't bad. The issue is going to be decided, though, and has to be hassled out about, you know, if if you do borrow, if you bond or whatever, are you kicking the cat down the road? I mean, that's one thing that I think Governor Walker is going to be talking about. And I know there's at least some people in the state legislature who say, well, I mean, borrowing can be a component, but we also have to look at tax increases. Um, the governor is going to be talking about that. One of the things he's going to be talking about, I suspect, is the whole issue of Medicaid. Right now, 
Medicaid is pretty much the rules are pretty much controlled by the federal government. There are a number of states, Wisconsin being one of them, that would like the feds to sort of loosen up the rules and restrictions, untighten the reins, and let the states try to play around with ideas and reforms that you can make to Medicaid that could essentially keep Medicaid solvent and also make Medicaid work for more and more people. Um, You know, one of the things that they're doing, I mean, considering doing is, you know, right now there's kind of an open-ended funding model. One of the ideas that's being floated is that states would get like a fixed amount of Medicaid funding, and then the states would get the power to set eligibility, benefits, and other requirements. So that's one of the things I suspect he's going to be talking about. One of the other things that's going to come up is, of course, schools. And there was a lot of controversy a couple years ago when funding to the UW system was cut by, uh, what, a quarter million dollars, now the question, uh, by $250 million. Now the question is going to be, you know, do we restore that funding? How are we going to pay for these different types of things? There's been a tuition freeze for Wisconsin residents for a few years. What's going to happen there? What do you do with K-12 education? Are we going to be looking at an expansion of the voucher system, charter schools, those type of things? I suspect he's going to be addressing those things as well, and all of which is going to be controversial, all of which, you know, these different initiatives that are going to come out, there are the votes to pass. At the same time, you know, Republicans are going to be standing for re-election in two years, and they are, in fact, going to be accountable. One of the differences between this budget and the budget that was proposed two years ago, though, is in this particular one, I mean, Governor Walker is really going to own it, and he's going to be out there, I think, having to sell it. One of the things that I think caused his popularity to decrease, and it really hasn't rebounded um, that much, was the fact that he he comes out with a budget and then he ends up going off in his, you know, race to run to be president. And he really wasn't around Wisconsin enough to argue and to push for this initiative or that initiative or argue why we should have those. Well, okay, the the presidential aspirations, at least for the moment, are have died down. I mean, he's going to be around. He's going to be defending this budget. He's going to be pushing for it. So I think you're going to hear a lot of these different ideas discussed in the state of the state. And it's going to reflect a lot of things that I think are perhaps overdue in Wisconsin um, that might be controversial, but don't necessarily make them bad. So the governor's state of the state address, 3 o'clock this afternoon. It is 1040, coming up in less than three minutes. They don't often get it wrong, but when they miss fire, it's a doozy. Stick around, 1040. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um, in response to popular demand, we, we are now, pod, the podcasts for the program are now being posted. You can go to WTMJ.com, and we have the various hours, just like we did with uh, Charlie Sykes. You can also subscribe to them, so they will be automatically downloaded. And a number of people are saying, you're going to podcast, you're going to podcast, and including including some sort of terse messages that we got. You know, why aren't you doing this already? Well, we are We are now doing it. Station management has listened, and uh, the podcasts are now available and will continue to be available moving to the foreseeable future. They do not get it wrong very often, but occasionally there is a misfire. I think if if you want to look back over really successful business operations over the last couple decades, there, there are certainly – some businesses that come to mind, Apple being one of them, obviously Amazon being another one. But but in the retail industry, 
and the restaurant industry. I have to say, I, I think Starbucks has been incredibly, incredibly successful. I mean, I've told, I've told this story before. Years and years and years ago, I had a friend of mine who came and asked me if I wanted to invest in this coffee cart that they were going to put in one of the they were going to put a few of them in some of the downtown office buildings. Now, this is before Starbucks was taking off and things like that. And the idea would be, okay, we're going to set it in the lobby of these office buildings, and people will come down and they'll pay $5 for, like, flavored coffee. And I can remember thinking at the time, who in their right mind is going to pay $5 for flavored coffee? Stupid move, Jeff. It's why you've been working for a living all these years. So, I mean, and, of course, you know, it it, it took off, and now you have – you know, this explosion of these high-end, you know, stores that are out there where people wait in line every day to, to spend three bucks for just a regular cup of coffee. And then when you start adding other things, it, you know, you're paying four or five, however much people pay for this. Starbucks has been an incredible success story and has led to other similar businesses starting to develop. All right. Well, what Starbucks decided that they needed to do a couple years back is they figured all right, we do great business in the mornings, and, and we do great business throughout a lot of the day. But what happens is, as the day wears on, our business starts to decrease because people want coffee in the morning. Um, but by the time three o'clock or four o'clock rolls around, no, they're, they're not buying. They're not buying coffee. And so, we what we would like to do is we would like to again have the business, you know, all all day. We want to be busy all day. So they started this this program in a, several hundred of their stores nationwide. They called it the evenings program, and in this evening's program, what they would do is in the late afternoon and the evening, they, they would offer coffee, typically, but they would also sell wine. They would ho- focus in on craft beers um, and then like small plates of, of food. And the whole idea was that we were going to expand this to you know, somewhere between a quarter and half of their, their stores by the end of, of this decade. And they're thinking, hey, you know, if the same people that are going to come here to buy coffee in the morning, you know, they'll come in to have like a craft beer or something in the evening and, you know, we'll be able to have this business again all day. Well, that was the plan. Uh, Starbucks announced a few days ago that, um, the current version of the, this program is going to end. They're going to discontinue the program um, essentially because it, it hasn't it hasn't worked. And instead of trying to concentrate on beer and wine and things like that, what they're going to do is try to concentrate on maybe trying to expand their their lunch business. Um, kind of give up on evenings and concentrate on, okay, let's maybe expand our menu options, you know, get more people in here for lunch, but give up trying to, you know, offer the wine, trying to offer the beer and things like that. I want to open up the phone lines. Just one segment, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. What went wrong? I mean, this sounds like this great idea. Starbucks, you're, you know, they're ubiquitous. You've got them on, you know, almost every street corner or many, many street corners. They're very popular. People are used to going in there for their coffee. What went wrong? Why did the attempt to expand to beer, to wine, to some of these other things, why has that apparently turned into such a failure? And if you are somebody who regularly schleps over to Starbucks for your coffee, 
Why is it that you think that people at these various stores that they've had across the country over the last few years, why is it that the popularity of Starbucks for coffee hasn't been able to translate into, hey, we're going to go and have a glass of wine, we're going to go and have a beer there at 7.30 at night? 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. How did they misfire and why? And again, if you're a patron of Starbucks, I'd be particularly interested in talking to you about why this apparently has failed so much. We discuss in less than two and a half minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1052, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Started the show talking about this change.org petition that's out there saying, get Troy Aikman and Joe Buck banned from announcing Green Bay Packer games. Not that it's going to happen, but it's, um, you know, since we just started discussing it, um, over 1,500 new signatures, 7,774 supporters, people signing it more and more. During one of the breaks, I ran into one of our sports guys who said, oh, they, Joe Buck and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman do a great job. I'm not going to not going to name the person, but I said, oh, come on. This is this is when you get these. And what it is, it's got these sports guys that just can't be critical of other sports guys. I said, what, what are you watching? Listen to Troy Aikman. In any event, it's not going to happen. But uh, the numbers of Packers fans are are signing this seven thousand seven hundred and seventy four so far. All right. Starbucks rarely gets stuff wrong. They, they, they're an incredible success story. Um, one of the ideas they rolled out a couple years ago is they wanted to try to get business, people in the late afternoon, people in the evenings. So they announced these programs. They called it the Evenings Program. They sell beer. They sell wine. They tested it in several hundred stores, and now they're giving up on it. It hasn't worked. What happened? 414-799-1620 is the number. Let's start with Barry on the east side. Barry, you're first. Good morning. Well, I believe it's because uh, they they've run into a lot of local regulatory and licensing hurdles mm-hmm. uh, for beer and wine that you don't have with coffee. So the idea that trying to get a liquor license or things like that might just be too much of a hassle for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, too much hassle, too much expense. Well, it, I mean, except, thanks to, I mean, I guess that, that's, that could be part of it, except there's a lot of money in, in beer and wine. I mean, there, there's when you say too much expense. I mean, people in the restaurant industry is a lot. I mean, you want those liquor licenses because that's where a lot of times that's where your your markup is is going to be. You buy the bottle bottle of wine for however much you buy it for. I don't know how many glasses you're going to get out of it, but you know you're selling it for you know ridiculous prices. Yeah, it, there is this regulatory element that's there, and I'm sure that that's probably perhaps one of the factors. But see, I. I don't think that's the key one. To me, this is a situation where it's it's pretty simple. People like what they like, and they, they like Starbucks. You, you like to go to Starbucks for your coffee. You know, you get used to going to Starbucks. Hey, we're going to sit around. We're going to have a cup of coffee, things like that. But Starbucks isn't a bar. And late afternoon and during the evenings, you know, people, if they want to go out and they want to have a beer or they want to have a glass of wine or whatever, I mean, I think as a general rule, they're, they're going to be going to bars. You know, they're, they're going to be finding that, that they're, they're cheers, you know, the place where everybody knows their name. You know, maybe they're going to go when, when I go to bars a lot of times, I'm looking for places that have TVs because like last night went out, I, I wanted to watch, I watched the first half of the Clemson Alabama game. I, I wanted the bar experience. And look, I like Starbucks as well as the next person. And if I'm going to meet people 
during the day for a cup of coffee or something, yeah, I don't mind going to a Starbucks. But in the evening, if I'm looking for th- that experience and I'm going to go out and I'm sitting and have a beer, I, I want to go to a bar. I want to go to a pub. I want to go to a tavern. Chuck in McGuanago. Chuck, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, what I think is people uh, in the afternoon or early evening have uh, their, the place that they go to, the pubs, sports bars, whatever. Right that they know friends and associate with, and they it's actually a gathering. They get together with people, and I don't believe Starbucks could ever develop that at all. Yeah, it, well, it's certainly not. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I want to go out and sit out around and, and have you know a beer or a drink or something with, with my friends, I'm not thinking about Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, of the different list of places that I'm thinking of going, Starbucks is probably like 105 out of the top 100. There's just no question about it. How could how could you watch the Packer game? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's well. I mean, th- I mean, I, I understand. I mean, you know, and maybe there. Well, of course, you know, maybe some people would say, well, you you don't necessarily want that experience or environment. No, but but you're right. I mean, I think these. You know, I mean, one of the great things I think about the explosion of the the craft beer industry, for example, is you have all these great beers that are out there. But it, it's not just. The, the beers that are there, it, it's the settings. It's the different bars. If you're going to go out, you want you want that experience. If you're going to go out to have a drink, you want the experience that you're going to get in the bars or you're going to be getting in, in the restaurants. And, and that's not what Starbucks is. Starbucks is designed to do, and they do it really, really well. You know, they're designed to sell the high-end coffee to people. They're designed to provide that gathering place in the neighborhoods where the people – who you know want to get together over their cups of coffee or over their lattes or whatever can sit around and enjoy themselves and they do that extremely well but but I think this was and this oftentimes happens with businesses that decide that they're going to try to branch out they're going to try to expand I understand they want to expand their business, but they're going to be kind of looking at something new, and they get away from their strength. They get away from what their business model really is, and it almost never works. And it appears in this case it didn't work for Starbucks. All right, coming up in, well, about eight minutes or so, interesting story. 57-year-old murderer who is now having taxpayer paid for gender reorientation surgery. We'll talk about that. A black teenager who was thrown to the ground on videotape wants $5 million, $5 million from the taxpayers. And what's going on with people who can't find jobs? That is all coming up. Hey, you know, somebody sent me something today, and I, I, I never pass along emails. You know, one of the ways, if you want to find a really quick way for people to get in trouble, it's when people forward things to you and then you just forward them and they end up having all sorts of controversial things. So I I never do that. But actually, this was an interesting one. Um, Somebody forwarded it to me. uh, It's called Happy Sunday. Here's what it says. Today, I wish you a day of ordinary miracles, a fresh pot of coffee you didn't have to make yourself, an unexpected phone call from an old friend, green stoplights on your way to work or to shop, 
uh, wish you a day of little things to rejoice in. The fastest line at the grocery store, a good sing-along song on the radio, your keys right where you look. Amen to that. I wish you a day of happiness and perfection, little bite-sized pieces of perfection that give you the funny feeling that the Lord is smiling on you, holding you so gently because you are someone special and rare. I wish you a day of peace, happiness, and joy. They say it takes a minute to find a special person, an hour to appreciate them, a day to love them, and then an entire life to forget them. Send this phrase to the people you'll never forget. It's a short message to let them know you will never forget them. If you don't send it to anyone, it means you're in too much of a hurry and that you've probably forgotten your friends. Take the time. I thought that was pretty nice. I wanted to share it. 1059 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.